blessing to us. Amen. All right, this morning we have a real privilege of having Arthur Menkes, I think. Is that close? Menkes. Hey, this is Arthur from South Africa. And Arthur's been a friend of mine for a long, long time. And we are really, really blessed. This year, he's going to be one of our regular instructors in the school coming in every month. And I tell you, with the addition of Barry Bennett and Arthur, the, the uh, teaching staff at the school has just increased tremendously. And so we are really excited about that. And he and his wife have just located here from South Africa. They are in the process. Have you got a green card? They got their green card. Praise God. So they are new immigrants to the U.S. And we are really, really blessed to have him as a part of our teaching staff. So, Arthur, we're ready for you. Teach me how to say your name. Praise God. How do you do it? Main, like Main Street. Main Chess. Main Chess. That's it. Like Chess. Like Chess. All right. Main, Main chess. chess. Amen. Oh, that's pretty simple. Yeah. But don't, don't look at how it's spelled. It yes. No, that's what the problem is. When you see how it's spelled, it's not even close to that. Why did they spell it that way if they aren't going to pronounce it? Because it's Dutch. Oh. Okay. Main Chess. All right. Yeah. Well, good. We're glad to have you. You're a blessing, brother. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't it awesome to hear all the things that are happening around the world concerning the message of grace and the the gospel of grace and peace? Isn't that awesome? I tell you what, I'm just sitting here listening to what is happening in CBC and being part of CBC. I tell you what, I'm excited to know that I'm part of something and part of what God has planned for the nations. Hallelujah. For the peoples of this world. I tell you what, people are running out of options. They're running out of, uh, you know, uh, answers to their problems. And, uh, and I know that all of us here, and you are here, and so many of you, I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure who are all here, and, and I know there's some of the Bible school students here, but, you know, we can be part of the answer to the world. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm excited to be part of that. And CBC is one of those uh, institutions I want to be part of. Hallelujah. Because uh, what is on my heart to share with the world uh, you know, Andrew and, and I, I can't even remember how long it is, but I'm, I'm sure it's more than 10 years that we've been friends. And, and our hearts, when I met Andrew for the first time, it was like my, my heart just knit with him because I knew what he, was, what he was preaching, what he was teaching, what he was trying to bring across to the body of Christ is what is in my heart to do. And so I remember the first time I, I, I emailed him. I said, listen, I just want to come hang out with you. Just come and, just come and see how you do it. And from that time on, um, God has put us together, and thank God we are all going to be part of bringing uh, what I believe a, a gospel revolution to the world. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Kathy, my wife, is unfortunately not here. She's in Salt Lake City uh, visiting with uh, some family out there, and um, so we're going to... Uh, you know, be together alone. She's not here. Many of you have asked me where she is, and she just said, I must please just give her apologies, Andrew and Jamie, but uh, 
she was not willing to travel with me again. We flew into Salt Lake City on the 30th, and then yesterday I flew out here, and today I'm flying back to Salt Lake City because I've got to preach there over the weekend. But um, anyway, so she just said, said uh, all of those who were asking me where she is, she said, she's sorry she's not here. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so now when you see her, tell her I said that. Uh, amen. Turn your Bibles with me this morning. Um, you know, I've been praying and, you know, just searching my heart about what I need to share this morning. And um, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And uh, as Andrew said last night, you know, if the book of Romans is not your favorite passage or your favorite book in the Bible, then you haven't got a revelation of grace. And, and, and you know, and he said, well, that's a pretty stout statement to make. And, and you know, it's true. The book of uh, Romans is most probably my favorite book. Uh, in fact, there was a time in my life where for almost two and a half years, I could not read anything else out of the Bible except for the book of Romans and the, the first five chapters of the book of Romans. And, uh, but Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 17. Just as an introduction to the message today, I want to talk to you about living a miraculous life every day. Amen. Anybody want to live a miraculous life every day? Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, out of the Amplified Bible. And it says, Paul writes, he says, For if because of one man's trespass, his lapse or offense, death reigned through that one much more surely. Let's all say that together. Much more surely. Boy, that is a powerful statement. Much more. And the reason I read it out of the Amplified is because of the way it's said. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You know, uh, this is, uh, and there's so much that, that is said in this passage of Scripture, and I don't want to get hung up here for, I know where I need to go, but uh, what I want to draw your attention to is that Paul makes this very clear. He says that God's intention for us is to be able to rule and reign in this life as kings. And, 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 and what he's really talking about there is, is to have kingly authority and influence in this, in this life. And so I believe that God wants us to live a miraculous, what he's talking about here is to live a miraculous life, a life of influence, a life that is different, a life that, is, that has a, a potential to change everything around us. And so he says that, that we can live this through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, you know, something that has concerned me for almost all of my uh, life as a believer, and, and especially since I've been a Christian, is that so many believers, so many men and women of God, they go to church every Sunday, they live their Christian life from church back to home, from church back to home, and yet, even though we have tremendous access to some of the best teaching, you know, we live in a time in which we have access to so much information. We have access to so much good teaching. 
especially when we're talking about the, 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 the church, about Bible, about God, about Christianity. I mean, all we have to do today is just go on the internet. I mean, you can go to Andrew's site and listen to everything he's ever preached, free. Amen. I mean, we have access to, to, you can go to my website, you can go to websites of, of your favorite preachers, and we have access to so much information, yet one of the things that I find to be true, not just here in America, but all over the world where I travel, where I minister, if I've been in Australia or in, the, in Europe or you know, in Africa, Central Africa, wherever I've been, Canada, I realize that so many believers even though we have access, we have been taught, we have knowledge, very few believers actually ever live in a place where what they know actually works for them. Amen. And the sad reality of it is, is that so many people live, so many Christians live with their lives really being on hold. With their lives being on hold, they are stuck. They're stuck in a rut. They can't seem to get out of it. They can't seem to, they're in this revolving door that just goes round and round and round and round. And they seem to have the same things happening to them, the same tragedies happening to them. No matter where they find themselves, no matter what age they find themselves, it seems like they never seem to get out of that. And to me, that's a heartbreak. And many people are there because they, they've been crushed by unmet expectations. People have had, you know, certain expectations and, and so they've been crushed and, they, and, and so they're stuck in this rut. Many people are struggling with debilitating emotions and um, because of failures, because of regrets. You know, if, if, if only I didn't do this or if only I didn't go over there. And somehow people, I find them all over the place. They, they, they know, they have an expectation, they want something, they desire things from God. They see the promises of God. They see, they hear Andrew preaching, they hear hear, you know, me preaching. They hear all these preachers on television and good stuff. How many of you understand that the, the Bible is full of good promises? Hallelujah. But so many people, yet they stuck and they don't seem to have the ability to make what they believe to actually work within them where they experience it on a daily life. And some, this has really concerned me over the years, so much so that I, I started asking the Lord, I said, Lord, how is it that so many people are stuck in this rut and they, 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 they can't seem to get to that place where they can actually see the word working in their lives? Boy, I tell you what, what a great teaching even uh, last night that Andrew was talking about. Boy, that is so powerful. Some of those things that we, that we don't, sometimes don't even take, we, we just take it for granted. We forget about them. But it's so true. But this is what... I believe is true is that the heartbreak of so many Christians today is that what they believe doesn't necessarily work for them. Now, does that mean that it, that it doesn't work? No, the Bible's full of proof. There are men and women of God that we know that we have in con that we've been in contact with that we've seen God work mightily in their lives. Yet, so many people are struggling. So, everyone is looking. Therefore, I find. That what people do is they're looking for the secret. They're looking for a secret of what's going to make this work. And so the, the world is looking for the secret, you know. But in the body of Christ, I find that, that Christians are looking for, well, what is the secret? One of the things you'll ask if you've been a pastor for any period of time. When I was a pastor, I pastored for almost 16 years. 
one of the things that people will always ask me, they'll come and have, you know, ask me to, to counsel them. And the first thing they'll ask me is, Arthur, what, what am I not doing that's, that's making this not work? Or what must I do? You know, so they're always looking for that, that missing key, that missing link. And many times, so many believers, what we do, what we do is we, we run from, from one Bible teacher to another Bible teacher to find out maybe he's got the key. Maybe he's got the secret. If I can only find the secret key that's going to make life worthwhile, that's going to make these things work. So I'm missing something. And so people are looking for this missing key, this missing link that is going to make this that I believe to actually work in my life. Yet, one of the things that I found is that Jesus came and Jesus gave us that secret we're looking for, the secret the body of Christ is looking for, so many believers are looking for. Jesus came and gave it to us free of charge. Free of charge. Gave it to us. Free of charge. Turn with me to, in your Bibles here to, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Now how many of you believe that there is such a thing as the kingdom of God? You know, I, it's like Andrew said last night, you know, almost some of the points I'm going to make here, I can preach hours on them. So I, I've got to kind of help, help myself, help myself so I don't get stuck on some of these points. But, you know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, you know, when Andrew was talking about it last night, about that Jesus said, you know, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, seeds work. It's, it's the way that it's set up for seeds, Right. But So we live in the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us very clearly in Colossians, it says that, that if you're a believer, God has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, right? So we are all in the kingdom of God. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, we find uh, the story of uh, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist comes in John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, in those days. Now, in which days? It says, in those days, which days? Well, in the days of John the Baptist, in the days of Jesus, the people of God believed in the kingdom of God, but they believed that the kingdom, their popular belief was that the kingdom was going to be a physical kingdom. That it was going to be a physical kingdom that was going to have a physical geographical place. Jerusalem was going to be the headquarters. And it's going to, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, they were waiting for the Messiah. Their expectation was that the Messiah was going to come. And when the Messiah would come, he was going to set up a physical kingdom, which would have physical boundaries. And that the people of Israel, their expectation was that they were going to rule and reign together with the Messiah in this kingdom. And they were going to, as it were, dominate over the nations of this world. And the nations of this world would come bowing their knees to to the king and his kingdom and this kingdom would rule and have a physical influence over the nations of this world and the people of this world and so that was their expectation and in those days when that was their expectation John the Baptist who was the person who came to prepare the way for Jesus amen he was the one to prepare Jesus's way it says he came in that particular day and said repent ye Everybody say repent. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, there's, there's a word that we in the body of Christ have, have used and abused. Amen. Repent ye. 
You know, so, so many people believe that that word repent, and, and it does. You know, the word repent, if you take it out of this passage of Scripture, and you just put it one side and say, well, what does this mean? It means to turn around. It means to, to, to uh, you know, change your direction. But in this passage of Scripture, and we'll see in the other passages of Scripture, Thayer says this word repent does not mean to feel sorry for your sins. Amen. This word repent doesn't mean, you know, feel sorry and, and condemned about your sins and, you know, run to the front of the meeting and bite the carpet and cry a puddle. Amen. And, and you know, just, just now, listen, that might, be part, that might be the process of your repentance, but that's not what repentance, what this word repentance in this passage of Scripture means. John is coming into a society and into a, a people whose belief system was set upon the kingdom of God. Because he's going to say some interesting things right here about the kingdom of God. And he's saying the kingdom of God. They're expecting the Messiah to come. And if the Messiah was going to come, he was going to throw off the Roman, the yokes, the yoke of the Roman Empire upon them. And he was going to set up a kingdom that was going to rule over this world. And so in those days, he came and said, repent. This word repent literally means change your thinking. Change what you believe. Change how you see things. Thayer says, and then refocus your pursuit of life. So repent ye. Why Why must I repent, John? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't that a powerful statement? So I want you to see that there is a connection here between repenting and the kingdom of God being at hand. So John didn't just say, you know, repent of your sins. Because, turn with me there to Matthew chapter 4. Let's go there to, to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus, verse 17. Now Jesus comes on the scene. And it says, from that time. Which time? The same time. Just right after John was put in prison. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say. Now notice, he says exactly what, what John the Baptist said. He says, repent ye. Now, you know, years ago, when I used to read that or I heard anybody preach about that, I saw Jesus standing at the street corner like a street preacher and repent. And his finger grew another three inches. And so you repent of your sin, you filthy rotten sinners. Repent of your, your rebellion. That's what I saw. But, you know, Jesus is coming too. And now he's... he's John the Baptist has prepared the way and he comes and he says the same thing that John the Baptist said to them. You guys need to change your thinking. Change what you believe. Change the way you see things. Refocus your pursuit of life. Why Jesus? Why must I repent? Why must I change my thinking? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's a strong connection here that, that Jesus says, the reason I want you to stop thinking the way you're thinking and change the way you're thinking is because the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn with me in your Bibles there to, to um, uh, Mark, the gospel of Mark. Are you guys still okay? Still breathing all right? Praise God. Mark chapter 1. And verse, verse 14, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching 
the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting in, in, the, uh, in the book of Mark, it's really talking about the same occasion, the same time. You know, it's uh, the same thing. It's the same happening. And notice here, now, there's a lot of people that preach, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the body of Christ today, you know, kingdom preaching and kingdom theology and all kinds of stuff. But, and, and a lot of people are still today trying to make a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Amen. Because you see, in, 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 uh, in Luke and in Mark, the, 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 the kingdom of God, it speaks about the kingdom of God. In Matthew, it's the kingdom of heaven. And so people say, well, there's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. No, there isn't. It's the same thing. It's the same. He's talking about the same thing here. Because, you see, a lot of people still today are trying to make the kingdom of God. And they say there's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Because we still have the same belief that was prevalent in those days, there's still people today that believe that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, and whichever one they believe to be, one is spiritual and one is a physical kingdom. Amen. And Jesus, notice Jesus comes, and in this passage of scripture, Jesus comes and he says a little bit more. There's a little bit more information here than in the other passages we read. Notice it says that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, no, notice it, it, it means that Jesus came into the, that region of Galilee. He didn't just come preaching anything. He didn't just come preaching. The moment you find the term used there, the kingdom or the gospel, sorry, the gospel, that term, the gospel, narrows down what he's preaching about. How many of you understand the term the gospel? Anybody know what the gospel means? The gospel's good news, right? Hallelujah. So good news. Jesus was preaching good news. See, here's what we've got to understand about the times that Jesus lived in. Is that when he came into the regions of Galilee preaching good news about the kingdom, up until Jesus came, nobody had ever heard good news about the kingdom. See, up until Jesus came, people heard about the kingdom. They heard preachers preaching. They heard the Pharisees preaching. They went to the synagogues and they heard the people preaching. But what they heard being preached was not good news to them. They had never, it, it, what they heard, the, they heard the scripture. They heard Bible. You know, so because a lot of people still today say, well, well, you know, I'm a Bible preacher. Here's what we're going to understand. You can be a Bible preacher, but not a good news preacher. You can be biblically correct. Because we've got to understand, so, well, you know, I'm a Bible preacher, I just, I just preach what's in the Bible. Well, here's what we're going to understand, though, is, is that Jesus didn't just come and preach the Bible. He came preaching a message about the kingdom, but it was a specific message. It was a message of good news. It was a message about God's love. I like what Kerry said, you know, about God's, uh, the compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. That word, they moved with compassion, means bowels of compassion. The bowels of compassion. You know what he's talking. I mean the, the, the Greek language is very graphic there. It's like when you've been moved with your bowels. Anybody ever been moved with your bowels? I mean it's a compelling thing. Amen. It's a compelling thing to be moved with your bowels. What he's talking about there. The same as a man is moved with his bowels to go to the bathroom. Jesus was moved with the compassion of God. The love of God for people. 
And so when Jesus came, there was something different about Jesus that when he preached, he preached the kingdom of God, but it was a message that was moving him with compassion about people. And he was preaching a message of God's love. He was preaching about how God accepted people. And they had never heard this before. They'd never heard this before. They, this, is, this is strange to them. And so notice what it says here. In verse 15, it says, he, uh, he's preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That sounds like the same that we've just read in Matthew, right? But notice what he says. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye therefore. And believe this gospel. See, people will, like Andrew says, and, and I totally agree with him, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the almost too good to be true gospel. When we understand the gospel, and hopefully today we'll be able to, to get to that place where we understand that it is the too good to be true gospel when we believe this gospel and what it proclaims leads us and gives us the key to a miraculous life every day. Come on now. And so he says this, he says, these people say, this is too good to be true. I don't know if I can believe this. Jesus said, no, 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 no. First thing you need to repent of. First thing you need to change. Listen, let me tell you something. If if you've lived a Christian life that's just mediocre and you've not really seen the supernatural of God, you've not seen God move in your life and your life has just been stuck in a rut and it's like you can't get out, then let me ask you this. Have Have you changed the way you've looked at God? Come on. Have you changed? Repent means change your thinking. Change what you believe. See, what people were believing about God, Jesus came and said, I'm going to show you things that you've not ever seen about God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And boy, I'll tell you something, we, we don't have time here this morning to go and have a look at some of that stuff. Amen? And so Jesus said to them, first thing you need to do is repent, change your thinking, and believe this gospel. But it's too good to be true. Believe this gospel. Well, this can't, this is too easy. Believe this gospel. Amen? But very important, though, is I want to get to this whole thing about the kingdom of God. So Jesus, again here, says, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So now we've all agreed earlier on that we do live in the kingdom of God. Amen. We have part of the kingdom of God. We are subjects of the kingdom of God, if you want to put it that way. But, you know, so many of us, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God really all about? So many people still today believe and trust and think that the kingdom of God is about a physical kingdom. It's about physical things. Come on. It's about physical uh, things that you do. So many people still believe today that the kingdom of God is still about that physical outlet. Jesus makes this very clear. And, you know, I like the, the way it's, that it's put in, in Matthew 11. I don't really have time to go there. In Matthew 11, where Jesus said this. He says in verse 12, he says, But from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize 
A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's the Amplified Bible. It is, it is seek, I, I like the way it's put, a, as a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. And you know, for years I used to read that, I used to think, because Jesus said, this is what it takes. Now notice he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, suffereth violent, and the violent men obtain it by force. So I used to believe, and a lot of people use that as that, well, if we want to have a part in this kingdom, if I want to have this kingdom of God operating in my life, I want, I want to live in this this place where I live a miraculous life every day because this is what we can understand about the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, all things are possible. All things are possible. There's nothing that's impossible in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God is a place of superabundance. The the kingdom of God doesn't have enough. The kingdom of God doesn't even have more than enough. The kingdom of God is a place of superabundance. And in the kingdom of God, all things are possible. Now, I want to I make a statement here that I want you to grab a hold of. Because this statement helped me years ago when God spoke to me in this manner. He said, Arthur, your faith, your life of faith will not draw you or you will not be drawn to that which you desire most in your life. Your faith will only ever draw you to or draw the things to you that you believe you are. I'm going to, do you want me to say that again? Your life of faith will not draw you to or draw to you that which you earnestly desire most in your life. Come on, let's this, this be honest right here. Is, is there anybody in this place who's desired some things earnestly? Anybody? How many times have you desired things, and especially when it comes to spiritual things, earnestly? We see it in the Word of God. We see the promises. The promises are stuff that I desire earnestly. But a long time in my Christian walk, the more I desired them, the further away they got from me. Until I realized the Lord said to me, no, you will draw to you and you will be drawn to that which you believe you are. Amen. What is the kingdom of God then? What is the kingdom of God? What is this key that's going to make it all work? Well, let's go and have a look at what Jesus said. Is that okay with you? Amen. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. See, what very few people don't realize is that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not a physical outward manifestation. It's not a, it's not a, a physical uh, external performances and practices. Listen to what it says here. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, the Pharisees came to Jesus. It says, King James Version says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, 
See, yeah, they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, tell us, when, is, when are you going to set up the kingdom? When are you going to cause the kingdom to come? When, when are you going to throw off the Roman, the, yokes, the yoke of the Roman Empire upon our lives and, and set up the kingdom? And this is what Jesus said here. Hallelujah. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Man, that's powerful. And I, I, I know that this is not what they wanted to hear. And I think this is what a lot of people don't want to hear today even. They don't want to hear. The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. You know what that word observation means? Vine's Expositive Dictionary says this. It says, with outward show. The kingdom of God does not come with an outward show. Now I know, I know that some of you guys are going like, yeah, but, but what about miracles and signs and wonders? And See, miracles, signs, wonders is a result of the kingdom. But it's not the kingdom. So many people are running after the miracle signs and wonders and they think that's the kingdom. If I can only get to, to that place where that's happening. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, no, 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 no. no. You don't, you, you, when am I going to set up the kingdom? When am I going to... You, he said, listen, the kingdom of God does not come with an out, outward visible manifestation. In fact, he puts it this way. Can I read it to you out of the Amplified? Amplified says, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. What do you mean by that, Jesus? Nor will people say, look, here it is. Or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh man, I tell you something. The kingdom of God is not a, it's not a place. It's not a geographical place. It's not a denomination. It's not an organization. It's not a place you can go to. It's not a city you can go to. The kingdom of God is an internal kingdom. So it's, and, and I like the Amplified says, it is in your heart. Oh man, I don't know about you guys. That's awesome. So what Jesus is saying is this, guys, listen. I mean, we're talking about, and I like what Kerry said, you know, we're going to go out there. And so sometimes we're going to go and we're going to be called to places that when you look at it from the outside, there is no visible sign that God's kingdom has ever even been there. Come on now. We're going to go to places. We're going to go and speak to people that when you talk to them, like the way Andrew said it last night, that, that I mean, their hearts have waxed so gross that... When they think, when you hear the, the scripture this way, they hear something totally different. When you get there, it looks like, man, is God even ever going to be here? Guys, listen to this. Jesus says the kingdom is not about a geographical place. Oh, well, you know, Arthur, God called me to the city. It's amazing. I travel all over the United States. It's amazing how many cities I've been to that pastors will tell me that their city is the headquarters of the Satanist church. Am I right, Andrew? I mean, I've been to see, and, 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 and but at the same time, this is what they'll say. Well, you know, it's really hard here. I mean, it's really hard. The ground's hard here, and people are just, you know, and maybe people are. Their hearts might be waxed gross, and that's true. But listen, Jesus says the kingdom of God, where anything and everything is possible, where there is superabundance, is not found in a geographical place or city or, or denomination or grouping or whatever. It's within you. Come on. So where you go, that's where the kingdom is. Where my foot shall tread, thou hast given us to me. Hallelujah. Why? For the kingdom of God is within me. 
It's something I carry with me. When I walk into a city where the Satanist church headquarters is, people say, oh, you know, you've got to be real careful when you go into those kind of places. No, they've got to be careful. I just arrived. Hallelujah. I just arrived there. And when I arrived, I brought with me everything. All the re- I mean, I think, listen, we have no clue the resources of the kingdom. I mean, we've not even scratched the surfaces. Because in me is the kingdom. And when I go there, when you go there, the kingdom is within you. But the problem is, as long as you're looking for the kingdom on the outside, you're going to forget about the kingdom on the inside. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? Amen. So, now, now what's more about this, I like this, is let's turn there to Romans chapter 14. Hallelujah. Am I going to make it? Romans 14, verse 17. Here comes Paul, and listen to what Paul says. Romans 14 is where Paul is talking about all the ritualistic keeping of the law and what you eat and what you don't eat and how you keep the law and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus, I mean, Paul comes and he says this. He says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not what you eat, not what you drink. Now, if you read it all in context there, you'll see that he's talking about keeping the law in order, because you see so many people, we've, we think the kingdom of God is that it that, that can only ever operate in my life if I do everything right. I can only have part in the kingdom and experience the kingdom if I do everything right, I eat right, I live right, I be right. Come on now. You know, it's interesting, that passage in Matthew 11. Where, John, where, where, where Jesus spoke about John the Baptist. If you go a little bit up from there and read from, say, verse 16 onwards, Jesus said this to the people. He said, when you went out into the wilderness, who did you go see? He said, did you go, did you go see? Now, who did they go see? They go see John the Baptist. This is, he said, Amplified Bible puts it beautifully. He says, did you go see a prophet? Question mark. And then he says, Jesus said, yes, a prophet, but much more than a prophet. In fact, it says about John the Baptist in the Amplified Bible, it says, he is, he is somebody out of the ordinary. Why? John the Baptist. He says, you, you went to go see a prophet? He says, way more than a prophet. Way more special than a prophet. He was out of the ordinary. That means he wasn't just the ordinary prophet. He wasn't just an ordinary man of God. He wasn't just the ordinary in the box man. This guy was out of the box. Why? Because if there was anybody who was focused upon the things of God, John the Baptist was. If there's anybody who was committed to the things of God, John the Baptist was. If there was anybody who was disciplined in his lifestyle, John the Baptist was. If there was anybody who lived a morally pure life, John the Baptist did. I mean, he, he clothed himself and made clothes of camel's hair. Now, I don't know if you've ever touched a camel. Come on now. He ate locusts. I've eaten locusts. Nothing special about them. Nothing special about locusts. In fact, I wouldn't look at them twice. You'll see them again on a plate. I would... But he ate locusts. He ate a sp- specific diet because he was, and people looked at John the Baptist and he was a man that stood head and shoulders above everybody else as far as his commitment, his focus upon the kingdom of God, the things of God, pursuing the things of God, going after the things of God. 
You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, A man born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than this John the Baptist. He says, But, come on now, but the least of you in the kingdom of God. The least of you. What kingdom? The kingdom that I'm preaching, that I'm bringing to you. The reason I'm saying to you, change your thinking. Change the way you believe. Change the way you're thinking. This kingdom that I'm preaching, the least of you in this kingdom will be greater than John the Baptist. Man. So, so Paul comes and he says, he says, the kingdom of God is not about. Now, please understand. It's good to be disciplined. It's good to have a good lifestyle. It's good. Those are, but how's, if, that, the, if that is the, the qualification upon us living, operating, and functioning, and experiencing the kingdom, we're all done. I mean, we, we, we're never going to see it work. So what's he saying here? He says, it's not meat and drink. It's not what you eat to drink. It's not where you've been, where you go, what you do. Now, what you do and where you go is going to influence you, but that's not what the kingdom is. He says the kingdom of God. Jesus says it's where? In you. Paul says this. He says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, you see, now there's another term in the New Testament that we get all mixed up. Because for most of us, when we hear the term, the kingdom of God is righteousness, means, it means right doing, a standard of moral conduct. Well, in the New Testament, when it talks about righteousness and the righteousness of God, it's talking about a free gift. Amen? The, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not what you do. It's not where you go. It's not what you eat. It is a standard of righteousness that is a free gift to you. I say it this way. What Paul is saying is this. The kingdom of God is a state of being. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's in my heart. Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness. It's a state of being made righteous. The kingdom of God is when a man or a woman of God will become aware consciously and subconsciously 24-7 of the fact that they have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, I don't have time to even go into that. But what does it mean to be righteous? It means to be holy, acceptable, unblameable in the presence of God. Colossians tells us that's what it means to be righteous. To be righteous means that what's true about Jesus is true about you. Boy, that's a powerful statement. People say, you, you can't just make a statement like that. Well, I mean, the Bible tells us, John chapter, 1 John chapter 4 says, makes it very clear. As He is, so are we in this world. Come on. As Jesus is right now at the right hand of God, so are you in this world. So what is true about the man Christ Jesus seated at the right hand of God? He said, Arthur, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be, to, to be aware of my righteousness? To be aware that everything that's true about the man. You know there's a man seated at the right hand of God. His name is Jesus. Amen. Everything that's true about him. The way every thought God has about him is the thought God has about you. Amen. So when we become aware of our righteousness, when we become aware of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, the gospel of peace, because that's what it's about. It's about Jesus coming and causing us, giving us the free gift of righteousness. And we read that scripture in, 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 in uh, Romans chapter 5, in verse 17, made it so clear. It says that if we will receive God's grace, His unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, we shall rule and reign as kings in this life through Him. Come on now. So what's he saying? He says the kingdom of God. Now, I, I've, got to, I've got to hurry because I've got like 10 minutes. Is that right, uh, Andrew? 10 minutes? Okay, I've got 10 minutes. At the back there, are you going to show me something? No? You're not? Okay, so I'm, you're going to trust me? <laughs> but, but what we've got to understand is that what he's saying is the kingdom of God. Jesus says it's within me, right? And what is this that's in me? It's a state of being. A state of of being made righteous when I believe that I'm righteous, when I have a mindset. See, some of us, we need to renew our minds. Renew our minds to this truth. And when I know that I am the righteousness of God, I believe in it, I trust in it wholeheartedly, no matter what's happening in my life right now, no matter how bad things are going right now, I am the righteousness of God. He says the very next thing is what? Peace. Come on now. Righteousness, peace. I'm going to do it again. Righteousness, peace. See, I tell you, people come to me all the time and they say to me, Arthur, I just pray that I have the peace of God. And sometimes I indulge them because I just don't have the time to explain. Really, I do. I, I pray for them. But let me tell you something, guys. You can't pray for the peace of God. You just can't pray for it. You can pray until you blew in your face. Peace only comes by what you believe. Amen. That's why, listen, that's why Jesus came and said, Repent! Change your thinking. If you're going to keep on thinking this way, you're never going to get it. Change the way you think. Change the way you see God. Change the way you see the things. Change the way you see yourself. And when you come to that position and you understand that you're the righteousness of God, the very next thing that will happen is you'll start to live in a position of peace. There's peace between me and God. He said, Arthur, how do you know that? Romans chapter one, uh, 5 and verse 1 makes it very clear. Therefore being made righteous. Therefore being justified. We have peace with God. You see how the procession, if you're justified, you believe that you're justified, then there's peace. Which results in a joyous life. A joy-filled life. The kingdom of God is where? It's within me. Amen? The kingdom of God is a state of being made righteous. It is something God did for us, right? Okay, so can we get back to this, this verse now? We got, I got five minutes? You guys cut me down quick. All right, let's get... Let's, let's get there because this, this, will, this will make it clear. Jesus comes and he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God. Now we've established what that is. The kingdom of God's in you. It's a state of being made righteous, which produces peace between you and God, which results in a joyful lifestyle. No matter what's going on. Amen. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that term is at hand. Thayer puts it this way. He says the best way to translate this is that Jesus... See, most people still today are trying to chase after and acquire the kingdom. 
They're trying to chase after and acquire and obtain through their hard work, through their discipline, through their commitment to God. They're trying to obtain a place in this kingdom so it can work for them. Jesus comes and he says, this kingdom is at hand, meaning it's approaching you. Or it's approached you. But the approach means it's not just coming near you. It's propositioning you. Oh, come on. Come on. Listen, listen to what I said. Jesus is saying, repent of trying to chase after it. The king and his kingdom has come and it's pursuing you. Oh, hallelujah. It's came to, man, I tell you something. It's come to obtain you. It's come to proposition. All that it's doing is it's propositioning you with all of the free benefits and gifts that God has. And God, Jesus says, now stop thinking this way and accept the fact that I'm, the kingdom has come and it's pursuing you. It's going after you. It's, people say to me, well, you know, I found the Lord. No, the Lord found you. Well, I'm just seeking the kingdom. Stand still. It's seeking you. Because the moment you can stand still and just receive what Jesus did. Jesus Jesus proved this in Zacchaeus' life. In Zacchaeus. You know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What did he do with Zacchaeus? You know what Zacchaeus did? Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a rich one. Amen. And he said to himself, he said, I'm going to go see Jesus. See, Zacchaeus understood that he was the lowest of the lowest of the sinners you could be. And that means all he could expect was to just see Jesus walk by. But when he went, he was short and there were too many people and he couldn't see. So he ran to the sycamore tree and climbed up the sycamore tree. And if you go read it, this is what it says. He says that Zacchaeus climbed up on top in the tree and he said to himself, I will see Jesus Pass me by. See, all he, the, 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 the most he could conjure up within his heart was that he could see Jesus pass by. He could just see Jesus going by. He could just see his salvation passing by. He could see his redemption passing by. He could see the kingdom passing by. But the Bible says when Jesus got to the tree, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, now I don't know about you guys, Zacchaeus, today is my day to be in your house. I tell people that he didn't fall out of the tree is a miracle. Because his expectation, all he could expect was, there's just no way that I'm expecting. I can just expect to see. I can one day tell my children, I saw Jesus pass me by. But Jesus had an encounter waiting for him. Jesus said, I, the kingdom, is at hand for you. And stopped. He looked at Zacchaeus and said, today is my day to be in you. And you know what happened? The Bible says he clambered down the tree. He went to Jesus and he was happy to take him home. And on the way home, he says to Jesus, Jesus, everything that I have, all my goods, I'm going to give half to the poor. And if I caught stealing, I'm going to give four times back. Amen. You know, I don't believe Zacchaeus woke up that morning, stretching out that morning, saying, I guess today if I see Jesus, I'm going to give 
have my goods to the poor. He didn't, he didn't plan that. That was the furthest thing from his mind. But when the kingdom approached him, when Jesus approached him, it changed his life. It empowered him to do things he was never able to do before. Listen, he was a rich man because he was stingy. He, wanted, he stole from people. And this is, what, this is what I want you to hear. Jesus looked at him and said, Today, salvation has come to this house. It did, please, it did not say this house came to salvation. Salvation came to the house. The kingdom came to the house. Okay, I want to leave you with this today. This is the last day of the conference. I want to tell you the greatest revelation you can get today is no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you're stuck, no matter what's been happening, no matter what your past is, the greatest revelation you can have here today is that God, through Jesus Christ, wants to restore your destructions. I want you to listen carefully. He wants to restore your distractions. Because so many of us, we are stuck in a rut. We can't go forward because we think that we failed. We made our bed. Now we need to lay in it. And God says, if you will allow me to proposition you with everything I have, and all it takes is will you receive it this morning? That's all Zacchaeus did. What changed Zacchaeus' life? What changes? Because Jesus then said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. My friend, let me tell you something. God is here. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. You've maybe lost some things. You've lost a life maybe. You've lost time. You've lost money. You've lost family. You've lost relationships. But I want to tell you today, you can live a miraculous life every day from this moment on, the kingdom of God is propositioning you. All he wants you to do is, will you receive it? Will you take it freely? Amen. Anybody here a taker? You're going to take? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you're able, Holy Spirit, that you are able to take this word, to take this truth, Jesus, that you can establish us and that you have a grace encounter for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for so many of us here. We have been stuck. We've been in places, Father, where we desired all the best things for our lives, but we've never seen it work. We've never seen it. It's never been tangible to us. I thank you, Lord, that today, we receive your grace. The kingdom of God is at hand. Lord, I thank you that you have come, you have presented it to us, and you have fully given it to us. And as we heard earlier on, and all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God. Isn't that good? See what you'll be getting if you come to Bible college.
tell you, we got some tremendous things going on. We're going to take a break here for maybe five, ten minutes, just as quickly as you can, and come back. And uh, we'll start the third and final session this morning. So uh, do what you need to do quickly. Father, we thank you that that river brings healing, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right now, I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Just begin to receive. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, God, that where the river flows, Lord, there's life. Where the river flows, there's healing. Where the river flows, God, there's deliverance. Where the river flows, Lord, there's joy. There's peace. Father, we thank you for the river that's flowing even here tonight, Lord. We thank you, God, for the anointing oil of the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, just lift your hands and receive from the Lord right now. Oh, we worship you, God. Holy Spirit, have your own way in this place. Just do whatever you want to do, Lord. Father, we're amazed, God, at how you touch people, Lord. Father, thank you that it's not by feelings even, Lord. But God, you move in and you touch. And you take away sickness. You heal the brokenhearted. Father, I believe there's even some here tonight, God, that they've been wounded in their hearts. And right now, Lord, they need a special touch from you. 
Just begin to receive right now. I sense the anointing of God just falling. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in this place. Oh, we worship you. Sing that to the Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the instruments in the earth. 